This video was made possible thanks to your support on Patreon. Subscribe on Patreon for early access to videos and additional content. When we think of serial killers, there are a few names that immediately come to mind. Ted Bundy, the Zodiac Killer, and John Wayne Gacy to name but a few. But these American men only scratch the surface of the sheer number of violent, repeat offenders who are out there in the world, and many of those from other parts of the globe are less well known. In today's episode of Cold Case Detective, we'll be exploring two terrifying serial killers from Europe. Bela Kiss. Bela Kiss was born July 28, 1877, in Isaac, Austria-Hungary, to Janos Kiss and Verona Varga. Very little is documented about Kiss's upbringing, but due to the nature of his crimes and some circumstantial evidence, it has been speculated that the serial killer had an incestuous relationship with his mother, although this is something we will never know for certain. We do know that in 1900, he moved to a town near Budapest called Sinkata, which is now part of the bustling capital. Here, Kiss worked as a tinsmith. He was very good at his job and was generally well-liked in the neighborhood. He was described as being a handsome man with blonde hair and blue eyes and was known to be an amateur astrologer. Perhaps lesser known to his community, however, was that Kiss also allegedly had a deep interest in the occult. His background prior to his crimes is not well recorded. There are mixed reports about his marital status and whether or not he had children. While some sources claim that Kiss did not have children despite being a womanizer, leading some theorists to suggest he was infertile, other sources have claimed that he had two children and was married twice. One of these proposed unions was to a woman named Marie, who was considerably younger than Kiss when they moved into a new home in February of 1912, when he was 37 years old. According to some sources, the marriage quickly crumbled when Kiss's wife left so that she could be with her lover. However, the validity of this information is unclear. It is, however, widely reported that Marie and Paul were the first victims of the 37-year-old, and that Paul was the only male victim whose body was later recovered. However, once again, this is unclear. Most newspapers report that all of Kiss's victims were women. At some point in 1912, Kiss hired a housekeeper to keep on top of the daily chores that needed to be carried out around the property. Mrs. Jacques was a loyal and hard-working employee who thought nothing but good things about the man who had hired her, noting that he was kind and paid her well. She reportedly only ever saw him spread generosity to his neighbors, even once watching him tend to a sickly dog. Mrs. Jacques also noted that her boss was extremely social. As a bachelor, he often corresponded with women and invited them to his house. Kiss met these single women by placing ads in the local newspaper, describing himself as a widower who was seeking female companionship. 
The housekeeper, however, made herself scarce whenever Kiss had visitors, so she never really paid attention to who exactly was coming and going. One strange thing that neighbors noticed about Kiss was that he had several large metal drums on his property. He apparently claimed that he was using them to store gasoline, although neighbors suspected that he was instead storing alcohol. In 1914, Kiss was conscripted into the army to fight in World War I. He entrusted his home to his housekeeper while he was away. Then in 1916, authorities in Budapest got a phone call from a frenzied landlord who'd found metal barrels from which a foul odor emanated. He was the landlord of the property Kiss had been living in. When police arrived on the scene, they opened up one of the barrels and were met with a horrific sight. Inside was a naked woman, dead from strangulation, with a rope around her neck. She had been preserved in wood alcohol. The other drums found around the property also contained bodies. Seven were found in the garden, while a further 17 were found in the surrounding countryside. Obviously alarmed by the scene, authorities contacted the military and asked them to hold Kiss, but unfortunately for them, the name Bila Kiss was extremely common, and it was impossible to trace which one the police were after. Investigators made sure that no telegrams or letters would make it to the serial killer, so that he could not be informed that authorities knew what he had done. Initially, Mrs. Jakubek was suspected of being involved with the slayings, or at least knowing about them, especially when the police discovered that Kiss had left money for her in his will but she denied being involved or having any knowledge of what her employer was up to. She did, however, tell authorities about a room she had been forbidden from entering. This room contained several huge bookcases, jam-packed with literature on strangling and poisoning. The only other furniture inside was a desk, which was filled with letters from 74 women. The oldest was from 1903. From this evidence, police determined that Kiss was defrauding middle-aged women who were mostly widows and looking for love again. He had specifically selected women with no living relatives at all, or at least no nearby relatives. Using the name of Hoffman rather than Kiss, he would meet with the women, seduce them, and convince them to send him money. Two of his victims had even initiated court proceedings because he'd taken money off them. However, the cases had been dismissed because the women failed to appear in court. Reportedly, Kiss had received 174 proposals and accepted 74. Each victim was strangled. Their bodies were then placed in the metal airtight drums where they were pickled in alcohol. According to some reports, there were puncture wounds on the necks of some victims, possibly linking back to Kiss's alleged interest in the occult. Kiss could have been practicing vampirism. On October 4th of 1916, the Budapest police received a letter that Kiss was recuperating in a Serbian hospital, but they arrived at the scene too late. The man they were after, if it really was Kiss, had already fled the scene. He had left a dead soldier in his bed to fool passing medical staff. The Hungarian police were then alerted and made aware of the situation. There were many sightings of Kiss in the years following, but most proved to be dead ends, and authorities were no closer to catching the depraved serial killer. 
there has been much speculation about whether Kiss faked his death by exchanging his identity with a dead soldier during the war. Rumours swirled about how he'd been imprisoned in Romania for burglary or died of yellow fever in Turkey. In 1920, a French Foreign Legion soldier reported on another who went by the name of Hoffman. Hoffman reportedly boasted about how good he was with a garrote, and he fit the description of Kiss. He also, apparently, used the name Kiss in some of his letters. However, this man had deserted before the police could speak to him. The last potential sighting of Kiss was in New York City, 1932, when a distinguished detective, known for his ability to recognize faces, believed he saw the serial killer emerging from the underground at Times Square. This was accompanied by rumors that Kiss was living in the city and working as a janitor. However, these rumors could never be verified, as when the police went to locate the janitor, they found he was gone. Bela Kiss has earned a place in popular culture, with many musicians inspired by his tale writing songs about him, while a play, movie, and book have all been based on the serial killer's gruesome crimes. The fate of Bela Kiss remains unknown even today. It seems unlikely that we will ever truly know what became of him, or how many lives he took. Archibald Hall Archibald Thompson Hall was born on June 26, 1924, in Glasgow, Scotland, to an impoverished family. As a teenager, he resorted to criminal activities in an attempt to stay afloat. Aged 15, he began thieving, and soon escalated this to housebreaking. He moved to London with his ill-gotten gains, and slipped into the gay social scene there as a bisexual young man. When he was 17 years old, Hall received his first jail sentence when he was caught attempting to sell jewelry that he'd stolen while still in Scotland. During this sentence, the young man studied antiquities and learned the etiquette of the aristocracy. He even took elocution lessons, which helped him not simply to dull his Glaswegian accent, but eradicate it entirely. With his new skills, Hall decided that he also needed a new name. He adopted the alias Roy Fontaine after being inspired by screen star Joan Fontaine, who had an illustrious career during the golden age of cinema. Using his charm and social prowess, Hall quickly made connections with lords and ladies, as well as playwrights and others who were in show business. It wasn't long before Hall had landed himself several jobs as a butler, but these periods of employment were short-lived, as Hall often stole from his employers and was sentenced to jail multiple times. During this period, he also married and divorced. In 1975, after another stint in prison, Hall moved back to Scotland and began working for Lady Margaret Hudson of Kirtleton House, Dumfrieshire. At first, Hall planned to go back to his old ways and steal jewels to sell, but at some point, he realized he liked his job and his employer and decided to try and go straight. However, these plans did not go as he had hoped. Two years later, in 1977, a man named David Wright appeared on the scene when he was hired as a gamekeeper. Wright was an acquaintance that Hall had met during his last stay in prison, and the two got into a fight when Wright stole jewels from Lady Hudson. 
Furious, Hall confronted his former prison mate, but in response, Wright threatened to expose Hall's criminal past. Hall agreed to keep quiet, but later invited Wright on a rabbit hunt where he shot him dead and buried him on the grounds of the property. Hall's efforts to hide his past from Lady Hudson were in vain, however, as she was soon informed by police of his true nature, and he was subsequently let go from his position. From here, Hall returned to London, where he became the butler for another wealthy couple, Walter Scott Elliot, 82, and his wife Dorothy, who was 60. Walter was from a wealthy, aristocratic Scottish family, and had previously worked as a Labour MP. Hall fit in well with the couple, and was on friendly terms with them as an employee. By this time, he was in his 50s, and still hadn't shaken off the criminal life. He intended on robbing the couple of their most valuable possessions and selling them on, so he could make enough money to retire early. At some point, a few years before this, Hall had met an Irish woman named Mary Coggle, who was, according to some reports, a sex worker, although she is also noted to have been a housekeeper for the Scott Elliots. Through Mary, Hall met a man named Michael Kitto, and the two struck it off instantly. It was with Kitto that Hall planned to rob the older couple. However, things quickly escalated when, one day, while the two were discussing their plans in the couple's home, Dorothy walked in on them. Startled and confused because Hall had brought an unknown man into her home, the pair panicked and grabbed the 60-year-old woman, suffocating her with a pillow. After this, Hall and Kitto sedated Walter and dressed Mary Coggle in a fur coat and wig so she could pretend to be Dorothy and empty the couple's bank accounts. But the trio still had a body to dispose of. They kept Walter sedated and moved him into the back of a car with Mary, who was still dressed as Dorothy. Dorothy's body was placed in the trunk, and Kitto and Hall got into the front seats and drove towards Bracco, Perthshire, where they buried Dorothy's body. At a wooded area in Invernessia, they disposed of Walter. At first, they attempted to strangle him, but he fought back, so Hall bashed the elderly man over the head with his shovel before burying his corpse. The third victim of Kitto and Hall was Mary, who had become so enthralled by living a life of luxury that she didn't care to hide it, flashing the fancy fur coats and jewels that she'd stolen from Dorothy in a way that was deemed careless by the criminal duo. They were afraid she'd ultimately get them caught, and so the pair killed her by beating her to death with a poker. Her body was left in a stream near Middleby, Dumfrieshire, and it was later discovered by a shepherd on Christmas Day of that year, 1977. The final victim was Hall's half-brother, a convicted paedophile named Donald, who had recently been released from prison and made himself at home in Hall's Cumbria holiday property. Kitto and Hall told Donald that they needed to practice their knot-tying skills in preparation for a robbery the next day, and the brother obliged. Once he was tied up, Kitto and Hall used chloroform to incapacitate Donald before drowning him in the bathtub. With one final body to dispose of, the partners in crime placed Donald's corpse in the boot and drove off towards Scotland. Since it was wintertime, the roads were becoming increasingly hazardous, and Hall made the decision to stop for the night at a hotel when they reached North Berwick. 
The hotel manager, however, quickly became suspicious of the pair and was worried they wouldn't pay their bill. So he notified police who found that the tax disc and number plate of the vehicle they were driving did not match. This was because Hall had recently made Kitto change the license plate of the car because it contained three nines and he believed that this was unlucky. Subsequently, Hall and Kitto were taken in for questioning. Their car was driven to the police station and it was here that the body of Donald was discovered. Kitto was arrested, but Hall fled through a bathroom window, although he was later caught by police in the nearby town of Haddington. The vehicle they were driving was connected to the Scott Elliott's London address, as was Mary's body, which had been found before. Hall attempted to take his own life several times while in custody, but upon failing, he came clean with the authorities and revealed the locations of the other bodies, which were then dug up. Ultimately, Kitto and Hall were charged with murder. Hall was convicted in London and Edinburgh of four murders, Walters, Marys, Wrights, and Donalds. He was sentenced to life in prison. In Scotland, he was handed a minimum sentence of 15 years, while in England, the presiding judge recommended he never be released. Meanwhile, Kitto was given life in prison for three of the executions. As Hall had been planning to kill him afterwards, the police labeled him as lucky. While in prison serving his time, Hall again attempted to take his life on numerous occasions. In 1995, he wrote a letter to the Observer in which he requested the right to die. Four years later, he published his own autobiography. Hall died from a stroke on September 16th, 2002, aged 78. At the time of his death, he was the oldest of over 70,000 prisoners in British prisons and the oldest serving a whole life tariff. After his arrest, the media dubbed him the Killer Butler. And there you have the facts. Please leave a comment down below with your own theories and speculations. And remember to like this video and subscribe to support the channel. You can also support us on Patreon for behind the scenes content and the chance to have your own hometown featured in a cold case video. Thank you for watching. Stay alert, stay safe, and I'll see you next time.